Hello, thank you for joining us on Cornerstone College Ministries Podcast. I am Blake Brown. I am the college pastor at Stillwater Bible Church. You're joining us for our study of Nehemiah. We're going to take a look at Nehemiah and trusting God and being diligent to serve Him regardless of the circumstances. I hope you enjoy as we dig in. Turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. Once again, it's kind of the middle-ish of your Bible. So you flip to the middle, we get to Psalms roughly, and then you go back just a few books and you'll be in Nehemiah. Um, the theme of Nehemiah is what? Trust and diligence. How'd y'all know? Oh wait, it's up there. Trust and diligence, right? So trusting God through all circumstances and being diligent to serve him no matter what is going on. Nehemiah has been sent to Jerusalem on a mission to rebuild the city. Uh, the walls are in ruins and the gates are burned and he relies on the people to come together to start building back. Uh, they start building and those around them are not a huge fan of their building plans. So they have some enemies that start mocking them. When they figure out that's not enough, that they're still progressing in their building, um, they go ahead and decide to just kill all the builders, and they'll be good. Right? Uh, so when the builders get ready for battle, um, it deters the enemy. So they, they figure out this plan that the enemies have to kill them, and they get ready for this battle, and it deters them, and they don't plan on killing them anymore. So what's so great is to see that in every single instance, Nehemiah turns to God first. Right? He prays to God when anything comes up, and or he turns the people and turns their attention to God. Um, they trust that God will give them the victory, and then they are faithful to show up and do the work. So now the builders are all armed, and they're ready for an attack at any moment. Um, we said last week we need also to be armed with Scripture and ready to fend off a temptation, and fend off and have a, a defense for what hope we have within us as believers. Um, today we're going to see an internal outcry from among the people who are doing the building, the Jewish people. Jews are doing unfair things to their fellow Jews. We're going to see Nehemiah take care of this issue this morning and see how he handles um, this position of power that he's in as governor of Judah. So I'm going to read the first 13 verses of Nehemiah uh, 5, and then we will get started. I have to find Nehemiah 5 first, so bear with me. Bear with me even more. Thank you. Um, Okay. So, Nehemiah chapter 5, first 13 verses. Here we go. Now, there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were others who said, (coughs) We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses, so we might get grain because of the famine. Also, there are those who said, We have borrowed money from the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is like our flesh of our brothers, all children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters are forced in bondage already, and we are helpless because of our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Then I was very angry when I heard about the outcry in these words. I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, You are exacting your street, each from his brother. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them. I said to them, We, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now, would you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us? Then they were silent and could not think of a word to say. Again I said, The thing which you are doing is not good. Should I not or should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? And likewise I, my brothers and my servants, are lending them money and grain. Please let us leave off this usury. Please give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, also the hundredth part of the money and of the grain, and the new wine and the oil that you're exacting from them. And they said, We'll give it back and we'll require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. 
So I called the priests and then took an oath um, from them that they would do according to this promise. I also shook out the front of my garment and said, Thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possessions, that he does not fulfill this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for Nehemiah, uh, his example that he has for us. We uh, pray that as we look at this kind of conflict they have within um, the Jews today, that we would be able to take this as an example of what not to do and how to respond whenever there is internal conflict. Uh, I pray that, once again, you just speak through me this morning and speak through your word, ultimately. I pray bless in your son's name. Amen. So, um, you've never been in a situation before where you've kind of had some conflict on a team, maybe, or on some sort of maybe group product or something that you're in. Everyone ever been in a situation like that before? Yeah? Someone that you feel like you should trust and then not, well, you had three people who had had that experience. So, you're going to relate to the story I'm about to tell. Hold on. Um, <coughs> there is a really cool game, um, and it's a game called Diplomacy. And Diplomacy is a game where uh, you basically or in like World War One era. And it's a board game. It's kind of like Risk, maybe I've taken over the world. But there's no chance in it at all. It's all just strategy and trying to uh, get other people and trying to like, hey, let's us to take over this country so we can do this. And you partner up with people and you have this time, we do that. Well, there's even an online version, so you can do it from wherever and with whoever. And uh, it takes like 24 hours for each move because you take time to plan your move and talk to people and do all these things. Anyways, so... I played it once in person. It was, it was pretty fun. So we decided, hey, let's just do a, a, a version online. And um, the box for this board game, um, the kind of uh, icon, the thing on the front of it, is a guy with a, with a knife in his back, right? Because you get stabbed in the back in this game. It's like kind of the theme of the game. It's all about diplomatic relations with other people and stuff. And so you can be there and you can be like, okay, me and this guy, we're partnering up against this guy, and we're just going to beat him. We're going to get these things. And I'm going to leave this open a little bit on this side, but I know that he's not going to get that because we're going after this guy. And you make your move, and then they just take over your land. And you're like, what in the world, right? What's happening? Um, and so it's something where you have someone where you're trusting them to do this, but really you, you can't trust them, right? Because they, at any moment they're trying to get their best interests at mind, and they're trying to do what's best for them. Um, and so it can be kind of a, a, a game that's a little... A little frustrating at times, right, uh, with that. But there's, we're going to see the people of Jerusalem are finding it hard to eat. And then there's other people who have their best interests at heart, not the people who are finding it hard to eat. They're taking advantage of this, right, and they're taking money from them, taking possessions from them, people they should be able to trust, people who are on the same team trying to rebuild Jerusalem. And so um, it's just they're, they're not doing well. And so we see this outcry, and we see Nehemiah's response to their complaints. And once again, he shows to be a wise leader. <coughs> so, look at this outcry. Look at uh, Nehemiah 5, uh, verse 1. Now, there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. Others said, We're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses so we may get grain because of the famine. Also, there are those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax in our fields and our vineyards. Now, our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. Yet, behold, we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. Some of our daughters are forced into bondage already, and we are helpless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. So, that's the outcry we have against their Jewish brothers. There's three different ones you see here, right? Three different um, situations that he, uh, Nehemiah has heard people come to him and say. One of them is, Some didn't have enough food to eat. <coughs> Others did not have enough money for food. 
Others were in a bunch of debt, um, even having their vineyards and their fields and their houses all um, taken, basically, and even their children taken as slaves because they're in such um, a high amount of debt. But they can do nothing about it because their fields are already taken and everything else is already taken and they have to eat and they can't figure out all these things. If they don't have fields, they don't have vineyards, they don't have anything like that, how are they going to make money or grow food? They can't. That's the point. Um, so the point is, all of these Jews are on this team to rebuild Jerusalem, right? We saw last week, they're all excited about it. They're going for it. There's people who are coming to kill them, and they're like, okay, we're going to fend off this. We're going to be okay. And then now suddenly, the Jews are the ones who were um, basically oppressing other Jews. And they're giving them loans and then adding a huge, large interest on top. That's what the word yersuri means. I don't know if I'm saying that right at all. But if you see it in your Bible, um, I read it at least, yersuri. It's just a, a high interest on top of a loan. And did you know this is against the law for the Jews? <coughs> what was the law that the um, Jews broke, That the reason why Babylon taked over? Wow, Babylon took over um, Jerusalem. What law was it? The American law? No, right? The Mosaic law, right? They had a covenant, an agreement with God to say, okay, we're going to do everything that you gave to Moses, all these 613 commandments. And God's like, okay, you follow them, I'll bless you. You don't follow them, I'll curse you. They're like, we're going to do everything. And they didn't, right? And they did not do everything. And therefore, God's like, I told you what would happen if you disobeyed. Therefore, and you agreed to it, therefore, Boom, you're taken over, right? That's why Jerusalem's in ruins. They're probably going to rebuild Jerusalem and the wall. Um, but what they're doing now even is against the law of doing this. So Exodus 22, 25 says, If you lend money to my people, this is God speaking, to the poor among you, you are not to act as a creditor to him. You shall not charge him interest. Right? Saying so if you lend money under this law system, and it's, it's, uh, it's to the Jews, and it's from the Jews, you just lend them money, and they'll just pay you back. No interest, no anything like that. But these people among Nehemiah, um, these are the people among Nehemiah that are leading, sorry, these are among the people Nehemiah is leading to build the wall. People trying to build the wall, and then people, other people, they aren't able to eat because of them, the high interest rate that they're getting. And they're breaking, up, they're breaking the law that ultimately caused them to be in the situation in the first place. So this is a hard thing to face. Right? Nehemiah is already sitting here ready for an attack. And they're all sitting here ready for an attack to come from outside opposition this whole time. And now he has to make sure the people between each other um, are supposed to be on the same team. There's now a conflict there. Right? We as believers have a common goal in this life. Do we not? Um, what is our goal overall? Serve and glorify God. To serve and to glorify God. Right? And lots of things that go into that, right? Even people have specific goals they have to do, different ways to serve. Um, we want to be pleasing to God. We want to be sharing the gospel, training believers, um, and doing everything else that comes along with that. But we have a common goal because we're in the body of Christ. Right? We're on the body of Christ. We're placed in the body of Christ the moment we believe in Christ and we place our faith in Him. And then we have a common goal of pleasing Him. If we're acting unfairly towards other believers, we're not fulfilling our role in the body of Christ. And they were acting unfairly towards the Jews, and we can do the same thing sometimes with believers. People who are supposed to be on the same side with, people we have the common goal with. Let's make sure we're living in a way that's respectful towards our fellow believers as we labor together in this evil world, right? in this unfair world. I know some businessmen who um, said they used to be excited to do business with um, Christians because they're like, okay, I can trust them. It'll be good, right? With the world, they're like, I don't know if I trust them or not. But then after many, many years of business, they're like, I'd rather honestly do business with an unbeliever 
because at that point, I know I have to wash them the whole time because, you know, they're, just, they're not saved, they're not the Holy Spirit, they're not all those things. But you expect to be able to trust a believer, and so many times they weren't able to. Right? And so we don't want to have that as our reputation. Um, we'd rather be um, people who are respecting each other and um, living in a respectful way towards each other. So Nehemiah acts as a judge in this situation here. And um, let's see how he handles this. So look at verse 6. Then I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I consulted with myself and contending with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, You are exacting usury, each from his brother. Therefore I held a great assembly against them. So Nehemiah was rightfully angry. Pretty furious. He's been so focused on getting this wall done and not trying to die from other people um, coming in, only to find that the people are being oppressed by their own people. So what is Nehemiah's first response whenever he hears this? Verse 7 says, after serious thought. <coughs> after serious thought or after I consulted with myself, right? Um, that's what he does first. So he takes a moment, gets a little organized, right? Gets his thoughts organized um, and everything. And then he goes and does something. <clears throat> he does not rush off immediately in his anger and like, take action right then. He takes a moment to think about it. And we see this theme all throughout Scripture. Uh, James 1, 19 and 20 says this, This you know, my beloved brother, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So our anger doesn't achieve God's righteousness. So we need to be um, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And he took a moment before. Well, he was angry, rightfully angry. But he took a moment first and then went and approached um, these people. Um, and these, these people, these nobles, these people probably involved in this. So we stood there, he gathered all this together, gathered them all together and did this. And we made to make sure that we followed the same example, right? That we don't just act in our anger immediately, but we take a moment, pray, probably a good idea, right? <coughs> and then take the action and take place. Look at verse 8. I said to them, we, according to our ability, this is Nehemiah saying, our ability have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now, would you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us? They were silent and could not find a word to say. So it looks like somehow, some way, uh, evidently, some Jews who were slaves to other nations, well, they'd gotten their money together and actually bought them back so they could come to Judah, right? Nehemiah says, we've bought ourselves back our brothers who were slaves to other people, and now you're going to make them slaves to us? What are you doing? This makes no sense. Uh, they had no answer, right? They were speechless. Uh, so these Jews have made them slaves again, even though they've just bought their freedom so that they could be back in Judah. <coughs> so they had, they're speechless, and he says this. I said again, the thing which you are doing is not good. That's a pretty straightforward statement, wouldn't you say? Um, the thing what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the approach of the nations, our enemies? And likewise, I, my brothers and my servants, are lending them money and grain. Please, let us leave off this usury. Um, does anyone have anything that says that's not usury there? Interest. Interest, okay. Um, interest, so that's the same thing. Please give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, and the hundredth part of the money and the grain, the new wine and the oil that you're exacting from them says, what you're doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Once again, Nehemiah points them to God. Right? The reason why you shouldn't be doing this, should you not be fearing God whenever you're doing this, whenever you're breaking the law that he set for you? 
They should walk in fear of God because they were doing wrong. Their enemies were right there on the brink of war with them. And then there were problems going against God's law within the Jews. So they already have enough issues as it is, right? People are ready to kill them and come in there and stop them from building this wall. And yet now there's internal issues happening. It's like not following God's law is how we got here in the first place, y'all. Let's not continue to do this so that um, maybe he'll allow these enemies to come in and to take over. When we're doing something that goes contrary to God's word, there's ultimately consequences. God is just, and he will act on the behalf of the oppressed. Right? So we, uh, in this scenario, we see Nehemiah saying, should you not do this and oppress people because you should be fearing God instead? Let's be careful that we're not oppressing others. And if we're being oppressed, trust God in this scenario. Right? He's the one that takes vengeance. He's the one that protects those who are being oppressed. So then Nehemiah has a list of demands, right? Um, or a list of actually a, he says please, so he's very nice about it. Uh, he says the magic word. Um, so he has this, this list of things that they should do. <coughs> Not just, y'all better stop, and then just walks away. Right? He actually has things for them to set, action for them to take. So he says, um, even, uh, he said, yeah, he has this list of demands and stuff. He says, give back everything they've done and all the hundredth part of the money. Um, this is basically talking about the amount of interest that they've, they've exacted from them. This is probably about 12% a year that they're exacting on top of whatever else they've, they've taken from them, um, which was a pretty high interest rate for that time in that region. International interest rate, if you got like a loan from Persia, was like 20%. It was a lot higher. Um, but really... Any interest rate that they were doing, Jews with Jews, was not supposed to happen, right? We saw that in Exodus. God said, hey, don't give interest rate if you're doing this. So um, he said, give back everything that, they've, um, that you've taken from them and give back this interest that you've um, taken from them. So even Nehemiah has lent some money to people so they could get grain. Right? He's even been lending out money and doing things so people can actually have money and food to eat. Um, and he says, let's leave this high interest level that some of us have put on them. So he's not saying, <coughs> I think that he's probably without blame in this issue, honestly. But he's saying, let us, right? He's kind of bringing himself in with the rest of these people who are doing wrong. I think he's been lending just money out to people without putting interest on them. But he's saying, hey, let's make sure all of us are doing the right thing. And let us leave this interest, this high interest rate. Ask them to give back what they've taken from them and give back the interest they've taken from them. If, there was a, if this was a movie script, how would you expect these um, people to act? Have you all seen movies in here? What? Not super happy. Not super happy, right? Maybe there's a big brawl. Maybe a dance fight. I don't know what happens, right? Um, something happens and like, no, we're not going to do it. Make us, right? Come over here and make me. Um, a big fight. But this is not a movie, right? This is history. It's happened. And Nehemiah was a godly man who was running the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Or, of, yeah, the Jerusalem. And Nehemiah revered God. And everything that Nehemiah said he's going to do and pray to God for, God's granted. So these people are like, yeah, we'll do it. Okay. That's what their response is. So look at verse 12. They said, we will give it back. We will require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. Good. Cool. And Nehemiah walked away, and that was it, right? No. He was further. He says, So I called the priests and took an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. He was not going to take them at their word. Um, 
Do you think that uh, Nehemiah trusted their word very much? Probably not. Right? He makes them take an oath that they would actually do according to the promise. And who did he bring to make them take the oath? The priests. Okay, so what does that imply, this oath? About this oath? It's an oath before God. It's an oath before God, right? It's a vertical oath, not just a horizontal, right? Um, and so this is a pretty hefty thing. These people had a history of not doing what they said they were, or not doing what they're supposed to do. And now they made a spiritual oath to do what they've said, right? An oath before God. You know, Jesus even says, uh, let your yes be yes and our no be no. But if you've done wrong in the past, your word carries less weight. Right? If you haven't had your yes be yes and no be no in the past, who's going to trust your yes or your no? And the point Jesus is making is make sure that your character is strong enough that whenever you say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Or I won't do something, I won't do it. But these people didn't have that background. And so Nehemiah's like, I'm going to make sure you guys stick to this oath that you're going to say. Um, let's live lives as people who can keep our word and not needing to swear or make an oath like, I'm my mama, right? I'm, I'll do it, I'm my mama, right? It's like, what are you doing? Right? <laughs> no, you just say, I'll do it. People are like, cool, thanks, and that should be it. Um, so not needing to swear or make an oath that we'll do something and just do it. Um, sponsored by Nike. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Nehemiah then does something to visualize the importance of the oath they took. They took an oath before God. They did something to visualize this. Look at verse 13. I also shook out the front of my garment. Like you have crumbs on your garment, right? Thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possessions who does not fulfill this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And the assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. It says, if you don't follow through, God's going to shake from you your house, your possessions, and all of these things. So it's a kind of a visualization, right? If they were visual learners, they've learned it now. Um, so all praised the Lord and said, Amen. Truly. Right? And they followed it. Just pretty cool. That last sentence is probably the coolest here. People did according to this promise. Um, Nehemiah focused on what was right. Not what was pleasing to the people or to the officials or these higher-ups. Um, but he was focused on God. And what God had said was not to do this. So he said, okay, we shouldn't do this. And then he has this example in all of his years of leadership uh, following what is right and not what maybe the culture around him says. Look at verse 14. Moreover, anyone have a different word than moreover? Furthermore, right? A little more um, 21st century. Furthermore, from that day I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah. And from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. But the former governors who were before me the former ones who were before me, laid burdens on the people and took from them the bread and the wine, besides 40 shekels of silver, even their servants dominated the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also applied myself to the work on this wall. We did not buy any land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. So Nehemiah was governor for 12 years here. Right? Uh, but neither he nor his family, his kinsmen, ever ate of the governor's allowance. So what happened is he'd be a governor over a land, and you could basically tax, kind of, get this governor allowance from the people, and then from that you would have this allowance to eat and feast and do all these things. Um, something you did, right? That's just what you would do in this government structure. All the other governors did this. It would not have been looked down upon if he took even a little part of this. Right? Say, so, okay, I'll just do a little bit less than the previous governors did. And they'd be like... Cool. Good job, Nehemiah. Right? This is just what you do as a governor. But he did not take even a part of that allowance. 
he decided that the right thing to do was to not follow in the culture's footsteps. Even though it's permissible by the culture, it was okay by the culture. The previous people had even their servants domineering and basically ruling over these people of Judah. Um, how many of us are a governor in Judah in the 4th century B.C.? Gideon. Right? Uh, I think you're a little before the 4th century. But, um, yeah. Um, but we do have a culture around us that tells us things that, oh, yeah, it's fine if you do that. Right? It doesn't only really matter if you do that at all. And we can be tempted to follow those things. Our culture tempts us to follow the things that the flesh wants us to do. Um, here's something that may be more convincing to some of you um, than it should be. But when I was in college, I did, if y'all don't know, I did my um, undergrad degree, my only degree, in um, mechanical engineering. And there are some tough classes in mechanical engineering. Um, and I was convicted uh, during my college career of this use of this website that gave you answers to homework. All the people around me used the website to get homework answers. Um, the believers used it. That's actually where I heard of it. People were like, hey, I have a sign-in if you want to use a sign-in for this thing. Um, it was something that just everyone around you did. If someone said they didn't use that website, people got offended. But why were they offended? Because they were convicted. Because right? like, that's probably not right to just get the answers off of you know, the Internet um, for your homework or whatever. And uh, something that for me, I used it for a bit, and then I would, it took me a while. Then I was like, this is cheating. Right? Somehow I just I did not register because, yeah, everyone does it. Believers are doing it, everyone around me. Um, but the truth is, even the culture around us, the believers are affected, right? We're affected by that. And we can sometimes be blind to some things that are not right. And there are other things the culture says that are fine. Maybe we should look at more closely to see if it's the best decision to go about, right? Someone's like, oh, man, you got a speeding ticket for seven over? Mine was like 15 over, man. What are you doing? It's slow. Seven over? Pff, whatever, right? It's like... It's breaking the law, right? Um, the culture says, like, ah, oh, man, that was, a, that was barely anything. Um, what about the amount of food we eat, right? You go to those Baptist potlucks growing up, man. <laughs> a lot of food there. But our culture says the more food you get for your money, the better, right? Eat more, stuff your face. Um, by all means, have seven hot dogs. It's 4th of July, right? I mean, yeah. our culture maybe just doesn't even think about those sort of things. We don't think about it. But... The Bible says stuff about it, right? And there's right things we can do, wise things we can do. So seriously, there are sins our culture doesn't look down on. Sort of like governors taking an unfair uh, advantage over the citizens. Right? But we want us to follow the culture, to follow what God wants us to do. Let's be different. We're called to live a life where we treat others as Christ treated us. How did Christ love us? Sacrificially. Sacrificially, right? He died on our behalf. He died for our sins. Uh, he rose from the grave three days later, and he offers eternal life to us. We believe in him, we have it. Do we deserve eternal life? No. Do you deserve anything good in your life? No. What do you deserve? Death. Why do you say death? Where do you get that from? Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, right? So you sin, paycheck, death, right? That's what you get. That's what you deserve. But it says the wages of death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we don't deserve these good things. If we have a ruler position, like over some leadership position, we don't treat them as they want to be treated, or we want to be treated, or as Christ treats us, because they deserve it, but because we don't deserve the grace we've been shown. We don't deserve to be treated as we're treated by God. Nehemiah feared God, and he let that drive his daily life. Right? How he lived daily, he was like, I didn't take that because I feared who God was and what, he, um, what he's put out for me to do. 
Let's do the same. Let's filter what we do through this lens. Would this honor God? What would Jesus do? Right? Now, would this honor God? Would God like me to do this? That's pretty straightforward. Right? And easy to follow, right? Just one question. Would it honor God? We'll never sin again. Hearing some, mm, <laughs> from y'all. Right? It, it sounds easy to follow, but ultimately we know it's hard. We have the flesh, we're battling with this. But I think if we do this, it's going to be a lot easier to figure out what should I do in the situation. So anyways, Nehemiah works on the wall. He doesn't even buy land. He's just there to work. Him and his people around him, he's just there to work. They don't buy land to like, you know, go and relax. They're just here to work the whole time. So now we see a little bit more about how Nehemiah ate. Look at verse 17. Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now, that which was prepared for each, of, for each day was one ox, six choice sheep, that's hard to say, and also birds were prepared for me, and once in ten days also to wine were furnished in abundance. Yet, for all this, I did not demand the governor's food allowance, because the servitude was heavy on this people. Lots of people were eating with Nehemiah. I mean, this is just 150 Jews apart from the other people who came in and ate. They had an ox, six sheep, and some birds. Once every week and a half or so, they have uh, a, a party dinner, right? A big dinner. They have wine um, to come and uh, to do that once every 10 days and stuff. But all this was not from the governor's allowance. So how is it getting paid for? Nehemiah. Nehemiah, right? Out of his own pocket, he's paying for these things. The reason why is because the people were already burdened with all the service they had to do. Um, they already have to give probably a tax to, to the king or to Xerxes. They have to do other things. They're going um, and trying to figure out. Um, there's a famine apparently that's happening. We saw that earlier in this passage. And they're trying to rebuild a wall, right? And how long was the wall? Do you remember? What? How long was the wall? Oh. <laughs> two days. Um, yeah, so they have a uh, two-mile-long wall they're trying to rebuild um, and everything. And it took them only 52 days, but you see here a 12-year time span. So even after the wall is built everything, he's still doing this um, in this way. Nehemiah was an example to the people that he led by not taking advantage of his position. He acted humbly and wisely as he led them. He kept him, that kept him free from accusations of being greedy. I've been like, well, you're just up there. You're just like the power. And like, no, I'm paying for this out of my own pocket. I'm not being greedy, taking from you all to do this. Look the way Nehemiah ends this part of his uh, diary, I guess, whatever you call this. Verse 19. Remember me, oh my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. He asked God to remember him for all the good he's done. Now, when we read this, we kind of think, really, Nehemiah? It's kind of selfish, right? Like, what are you doing? Like, hey, God, I've been doing real good up here, or real good down here, right? Just remember this, remember this. But we have to remember, who is Nehemiah concerned about pleasing? God, right? Um, it's not man. So he wants him to please God, and he's been through a lot of work where um, he's pointing both himself and others to God at every step of the process. He wants to be remembered for all the service that God has placed him there to do, right? God... Is, has been opening all these doors and letting this happen. And he's been in the forefront of all of this and serving God the whole time and praying to God every single step of the way. He was remembered for all the service he's done. I don't see this as a boastful plea of like, God, remember me so that one day I can be rewarded for all this work. Um, I think it's rather one of a tired servant at the end of a long, hard day. Right? He's just been sitting, he's been working, focused on this 
external um, enemies trying to harm him and harm the people who he's over. And people who he's over suddenly have people against them within the Jews. And he's just trying to resolve all these things and get it all done. He's like, God, please just remember all that I've done for these people, all the good that I've done that you've placed me here to do. That's how I view this. Nehemiah's given yet another situation to deal with, and he's got many more coming up uh, that we're going to see to deal with. Uh, And it's that these Jews are exacting interest on other Jews and even enslaving some of them that they've already bought back. Nehemiah gets angry, but it takes a minute. takes a little uh, chill pill for a second, and then he goes and he acts on it. He has the plan thought out. He tells the wrongdoers what they've done, uh, what they should do, and they say they will. He makes them make an oath and then warns them of the importance of this oath before God. After this, we see he has not taken any of the governor's allowance this entire time that he's there, or done anything more than necessary on the people because he fears God, and there's already too much hardship on these people. He ends a section describing the internal outcry um, and conflict with a plea to God. He says, remember me, O my God, for good, according to all I have done for this people. So, some application for us today. When we get angry, don't act immediately. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, is what James 1.19 says. And then 20, I like verse 22 to add on there. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Sometimes we think that like, oh, I'm angry, but it's a good reason, so I'm going to go and punch this person. It's like, okay, hold on, right? Uh, no. Nehemiah took time considering the situation before he confronted the offenders. And so let's do that, right? Take time to think about it before we do anything. Anybody um, kind of get angry and then just act on it immediately? That can be a thing, right? Yeah, I saw some hesitant hands come up. Um, it's okay. It's a safe place. Just admit it. Um, it's definitely something that people deal with. There's a reason why it's written in the Bible so much about being angry, yet be angry not at your sin. Some go down on your anger. Angry yet do not sin. All those things. So, secondly, let's follow God and not the culture. Nehemiah does not follow the other governors because he feared God. He knew that what the right thing to do was not what the culture was saying was okay to do. And so he did what was right. And let's filter our actions through the lens of pleasing God. Would this honor God is what you need to ask ourselves whenever we do each and everything. To follow God, not the culture. And then live lives that are pleasing to God. It's, a little, it's kind of similar to follow God on the culture, but there's a distinction there. Nehemiah's prayer after um, this, all this work that he's done is to um, ultimately be noticed by God for all the good he's done. Right? And so it's our prayer be like Nehemiah's a long time of serving. And let's look forward to this future hope of being rewarded for our service to God. We know that we want to hear something whenever we stand before God. What do we want to hear? Well done, good and faithful, well done, and faithful servant. If we didn't do well and we weren't faithful, he's going to be like, come on in. right? Because our service doesn't depend on whether or not we're saved or not. We look to Christ to see if we're saved, not to ourselves. If I look to myself to see if I'm saved, not going to go well. Right? Wages of my sin, death. But the free gifts of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus. Because of faith in Him, I know that I'm going to be there. But we want to live lives that are pleasing to Him because we know that He is a faithful God who rewards those who serve Him. So let's look forward to that as our hope and our motivation in this life. Some discussion questions. Um, when do you find it hard not to act in your anger and what steps will you take instead? And then what parts of our culture are tempting to follow and how will you combat that temptation? Um, so we're going to break up into groups, about five to, you know, uh, five to six people. Um, today, let's split up. We'll do something really weird.
put up guys and gals in groups. And so we'll do like groups of guys, groups of gals, and then, yeah, that'll be good. Might have to move, actually move from your chair to do that. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then we'll go into that for the next 10 minutes or so. Dear God, uh, thank you so much for uh, everything that you have shown us today. Thank you.